The scripture that Pastor Jamie will be preaching from this morning is Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 12. Please turn with me in your Bibles and read along. It will also be on the screen. Colossians 2, verses 6 to 12. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head and all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. This is the word of God. All right. I have a question for you. Does anyone here have this mindset to invent things, to create things? Have you ever looked at an everyday object and said, I could make this better? I can improve upon this. My oldest brother is gifted at this. He is a very technical guy. He designs lots of things. But take regular lawn mowing or watering your yard, and he goes to a whole new level. For me, lawn mowing means pushing the mower up and down, back and forwards. Watering the yard means pulling out the hose and just spraying it, right? Stay here for about 15 minutes and move on. For him, he turns his push mower into a remote-controlled car, and he drives around like a toy to mow his lawn. To water his yard, it can't just be automatic. It actually has to connect to the internet, check the forecast, determine the amount of water needed that day, and then dispense that water on his yard. Now, of course, his yard looks amazing. <laughs> Mine, not so much. But he has a mind to just make things better. Now, maybe you're not an inventor, but maybe you have the gift of wanting to make things better. Maybe your mindset is, I am like Cupid. I see two people, and I know I can bring them together and make their lives better. Maybe you have the mindset of, I know how to resolve conflict. I am gifted in this. Someone starts talking, and immediately I know how to help them. I know the answer to their marriage, their family, their life. If they just listen to me, I will be able to help them make it better. We all have this desire in us to improve things, to not be satisfied with the way things are. We can do better. Maybe you have the desire for a fuller, more spiritual life, a desire to reach new spiritual depths. You believed in Jesus 10, 20, maybe 50 plus years ago. But what have you added to your spiritual diet since then, since the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ the Lord? Is there anything wrong with wanting more? Today, as we look at Colossians 2, we will see God's word addressing this desire for more, wanting more to my spiritual life, more, more, more. And is that okay? So our first point today we're going to be looking at is exclusively filled in Christ. So looking at verses 6 and 7, God's word says this. 
Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Our experience of first coming to Christ ought to mirror our walk with him all the days of our lives. So what was your spiritual life like when you first came to Christ? What was that experience like? Well, Paul says you received Christ Jesus the Lord. You received the teachings of Jesus handed down. You received the understanding about the fullness of Christ that Pastor Bray talked about in detail last week. We received Christ as the creator and sustainer of all things. The one who fulfilled the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. He's our divine prophet, priest, king. We also received Jesus, the historical person rooted in humanity through the incarnation. The Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Acts 4.2 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We received Christ Jesus the Lord by faith. And faith alone. Colossians 1.21-23 Paul warns, You once who once were alienated... He has now reconciled. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. See, false teaching arises from diverting or shifting from what has been received. We receive Christ Jesus the Lord by faith alone. At salvation, we believe this, and as we continue in life, we need to walk by faith alone, not adopting this Jesus plus mentality. This idea of, I need more than this. The second part talks about rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Our faith is like a seed. It's planted. It grows into a tree. It grows into a tree and produces fruits. And those roots go deep. The type of plant does not change. But the roots go deeper and spread to establish the tree. As our faith in Christ, Jesus the Lord, expands farther into each part of our life, our spiritual roots go deeper and our spiritual tree becomes more grounded and strong. But the seed, the plant itself, does not change into another plant. It's still the same. In the building metaphor, a building is built on a foundation. And this is critical. We talk about this with kids all the time. The idea of, remember the song? Build your house on a solid rock, not on sand. Because obviously, build your house in the sand, what's going to happen? Splat, right? It's going to crash. Doesn't matter how beautiful it is, it's going down. Same thing here. The foundation of our faith does not change. It's in Christ Jesus, the Lord, alone. A house built on any other foundation will not last. Ephesians 2.20 says, Built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. He's the only foundation. The gospel that was taught to the Colossians is the only foundation that they needed, and it's the only foundation we need. The false teachers were trying to push a different foundation that added to the gospel, and this is wrong. Now, let me give you an example. James took a lot of time setting this up, so I want to show you something. Let's think of breakfast. Breakfast, hopefully you had it this morning. It's considered one of the most important meals of the day, so hopefully you ate something. If not, this is Going to start off making you hungry, maybe not so much by the end. In here is mini wheats, for those that can't see. 
That's a normal, basic breakfast. Now, for me, obviously this is a little much. I get that. But it fits with my lesson, so. With my mini-wheats, I drink milk with it. So I put milk in my mini-wheats. This sounds normal, right? Everyone does that? Except for my son, Timothy, who does not like milk, so he will drink it or eat it with water. Or nothing. So this is normal breakfast for me. Some days. Now, I one day could wake up and say, you know what? Eh, it's pretty basic. I bet I could improve upon this. I can make this better. People eat all kind of things for breakfast. Have you ever had toast for breakfast? Toast with jam? You just put some jam here on your toast. Stick that in my cereal. <laughs> just to add to the greatness of it. May smear a little across the top. Kind of like a sundae. Also, one of my sons loves yogurt. This is peach yogurt, which my wife said I'm probably wasting because it's so good. Put that right there in the middle, adding it to my lovely cereal. Just trying to improve it, make it a little better. Now, I had to work at this. This is butter. This is spreadable butter through liquid. It's getting a little hard, though. And it's not going to spread now. <laughs> Sat next to the milk too long. Oh, there it goes. That is good butter right there. And I've been told bacon makes everything better. Let's see if it's true today, though. It's like sprinkles on a Sunday, right? Now, some people love coffee in the morning. So let's add some coffee. Just across the top there, across the bread, making it nice and wet. And some syrup. Once again, like a nice little topping. Just smear it all together. Some people like orange juice for breakfast. That is always good, too. Once again, my wife thought I was wasting, being very wasteful here. And now kind of like the thing on top. I know this is a thing because I looked it up online, and I saw it in Rocky. So raw eggs, raw eggs right? It is apparently really good. I only have two, but two little raw eggs kind of going right there on the top. You gotta have your rocky raw eggs. And then you gotta mix this beautiful stuff all together. And this makes it all better, right? I've just improved this cereal. Let me just check to make sure. Mm. That was not better. <laughs> wow. All right, so the point of that. Adding does not always make it better. 
it clearly can make it worse. Our faith is the same thing. Paul's telling the clock. I'm getting choked up. That egg is sticking in there. Wow. Paul's telling the Colossians and us to stop trying to fill our spiritual lives with more than Christ. It's not just worthless add-ons. It's actually harmful, detrimental. By adding, you're actually, actually subtracting from that truth. So how do you combat this? How do you go against this? How do you protect yourself from doing this? Well, the answer is, the end of verse 7, abounding in thanksgiving. Go back to the garden with Adam and Eve. What did they really desire? What was their sinful desire? They wanted more knowledge. They wanted to be like God and bought into the lie that God was holding out. Look at the children of Israel in the wilderness. Now, they wanted a lot of things, right? But they wanted better food, better living conditions, better leaders. Children of Israel in the promised land. They keep going, don't they? They wanted a king like all the other nations. Rejecting the real king, they wanted one like everybody else, a human. The Colossian people. They were enticed by the idea of having a deeper spiritual filling by following strict rules and guidelines. Asceticism. The idea of depriving yourself physically in order to reach a new spiritual level. They actually put themselves or were willing to put themselves under the laws of the old and also new laws that they were creating in order to think they would reach a new spiritual level. And that's just not true. Colossians 2.8, Paul warns about this. He says, see to it. The idea is watch out, be on guard, be careful. See to it that no one takes you captive by the philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. The idea here of taking you captive has the idea of slavery. This is not a harmless add-on to the faith in Jesus. It is a painful ripping away from the goodness and righteousness of God himself. Just like with that breakfast. It was not a harmful, harmless add-on. It was very harmful. It is not good. But beyond that, with our faith, it is harmful to us. You're, dis- you're detracting from what is real, what is good, what is complete, by thinking you can make it better when you can't, and you shouldn't. People today struggle with the same things. They search for a deeper meaning in life, a second blessing, the blessing of their best life now, And many buy into the idea that Jesus is just the first rung of a ladder that you have to climb. Or the starting point of a spiritual journey to God. They are seeking and wanting more than just the gospel. Thanksgiving is our greatest offensive against this hidden desire in our hearts. Thankfulness for who God is, what God has done, and what God continues to do through Christ, in Christ. Thanksgiving breaks down the mindset that God is keeping something from me. It reminds my heart and my mind that God is truly all I really need and all I really want. I don't need more. So lesson one, 
Oops, there was point one, by the way. Exclusively in Christ. Lesson one. Those who have faith in Christ are exclusively filled in Christ. No add-ons needed. You don't need to add to it. It's already, as we're going to talk about in a minute, complete. Exclusively in Christ, nothing else should be added. Which does lead to the question, if, it, if I am exclusively only filled in Christ, is that enough? Will I really feel satisfied? Should I really feel satisfied? And that leads to point two. Exhaustively filled in Christ. The idea of completely filled in Christ. Verses 9 and 10. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Verse 9 is a quick summary of chapter 1. Christ, the fullness of God. Christ Jesus the Lord is the bodily form of all that God is. He embodies the complete character of God, and he has the complete power and authority of God because, guess what? He is God. So why does this idea that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, the bodily form of God, important? Well, the penalty of sin requires suffering in the body and soul. And only a human can do this to be the sacrifice. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, death, that is, the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. It is essential that Jesus came as a human, yet without sin. Because if he sinned, he'd be no different than us. So he was perfect. Jesus had to be a man so that he could identify with us, suffer in our place, and sympathize with us in our weakness. See, at the cross, he was our substitute. He took on our penalty for sin, the the wrath of God, because he loved us, cared for us. It's impossible, also, for a mere human to be able to do this, to completely satisfy God's wrath. So he's 100% a man, but he's also 100% God. The weight of God's wrath is infinite and could only be taken on by God himself. Only Christ, as God, would bring a sacrifice of infinite and eternal value that would propitiate God's wrath. The divinity of Christ means that he is able to raise, be raised from the dead, conquering death, and apply his benefits to us. Because he takes our sin, he gives us his righteousness, his right standing with God. Christ alone, as 100% human and 100% God, is able to earn eternal life for us and favor with God. So I hope you can see the importance of Jesus being fully both. It was necessary. And the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, pushes back on this idea that the physical body is evil or inferior, which was also another false teaching that was happening in the day of Paul and still happens today. Promoting the spiritual addition of asceticism, the idea of obviously harming the body by depriving it, They would treat the physical body as a necessary evil during this present life. It was such an issue that Paul calls it out in verse 18. He says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, 
Identifying Jesus Christ as a 100% bodily form of God is a reminder that being human is not evil. It's actually good. Think back to the garden. Adam and Eve, man and woman were created, and God called it very good. Thank you. Absolutely. Very good. So God is, Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. With regards to the opposite view, there were those who believed that Jesus was only human. That's also squashed here because it says the whole fullness of deity is in Christ Jesus. And Paul goes on to further say who is the head of all rule and authority. Paul is stressing the humanness of Christ and the divine character, power, and authority of Christ. Between these two amazing things about Jesus, you have us. Look at the center of the verses here. It says, and you have been filled in him. The phrase, you have been filled, this idea has the idea of completely filled with no room. And more importantly, no need for anything to be added. You are full, you are satisfied. What I think of when I think of this is Thanksgiving. Have you ever been before Thanksgiving spread across the table with family, and there's lots of food, all your favorites? You sit down, you're talking with family, you're eating to the point where you say, I am stuffed, right? I am full, I'm done. I couldn't eat another bite. You finish the dishes, whatever, you clean up, but then you go sit down on the couch or chair, and you're just like, ah, I am full. That was good. But with food, your body processes that food, right? By the next day, you're hungry again. Not so with Christ. The idea there is you are filled. Like at Thanksgiving, you finished eating. You're like, I am stuffed. I can't have more. Same thing with Christ. I am full. I wouldn't even think about desiring more. This is it. But I'm full now. I'm full tomorrow. I'm full 50, 100 years from now, just as I am today. You are completely filled in Christ. And there should be no desire for more because you're full. He fully satisfies you. Lesson two. Those who have faith in Christ are fully satisfied in him alone. You have all the grace you need all the time. All for life and godliness is yours. God has given it to you in Christ. We don't need to say, well, it's getting kind of old. I've had this every day. No, your mindset should be, I get to have this every day. I get to feel this way every day, full and complete and utterly satisfied. So point one, you are exclusively filled in Christ. Point two, you're exhaustively filled in Christ. You're complete. You need no more. So point three, rest filled in Christ. Verse 11 and 12. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. Old Testament circumcision brought the Jewish son into the covenant people under God's law. The act of circumcising the son had to be performed as an initiation into the Old Covenant. 
Well, here in contrast, Paul is saying, specific teaching that initiation to the new covenant is not done by human hands, but by Christ alone. A circumcision made without hands. The new covenant has two parties just like the old. The new covenant is before God and us. So let's look at God's role in the new covenant. And let's look at our role in the new covenant based upon this passage. So God's role, starting off with the first part there, it says, putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. The idea here is the removal of the old self, cutting it out. Romans 2, verses 28 to 29 says this, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward or physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And Paul is drawing from Deuteronomy 36, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. The act of the circumcision of the heart is done by God and God alone. Taking off the old self. God did not just take bad people and make us good. He didn't make us better. He didn't just approve upon us. As one of the elders had said, he took dead people and he made you alive. God put on the new self. God made you a new creation as well. You, it says here, God circumcised the heart. He, uh, it says he, uh, sorry, it says here, having been buried with him in baptism... So God put to death the old self. God did not make bad people good, but good people, or dead people alive. Let me get to this point here. And you were also raised with him in the powerful working of God. So God put on the new self, made you a new creation. God raised Jesus from the dead and provided victory over sin and death through Jesus. So what did God provide? What did God do in the new covenant? God provided the sacrifice, the substitute through Jesus Christ. God did the work providing salvation. God did the work removing the old self. God did the work of making us new. God did the work of making us alive in Christ. God did all the work. What's left? Our role in the new covenant, right there in verse 12, says the phrase, through faith. Our role in the new covenant is faith. God does all the actual work. Our job is have faith. What is our faith in? Using this sentence, the powerful working of God is the object of our faith. It is not faith in us. It's not faith in Jesus plus something else. Our faith needs to be in who God is and trusting he did it all. It is faith in what has already been completed in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. When Jesus said, it is finished, as we sang, he meant it. The work has been completed by God and God alone. And I know our hearts have a problem with this, thinking there's got to be more. God did all this stuff, I've got to do something. No, there's no more to do. There's no more to unearth. There's no ability to reach a whole new spiritual level. My encouragement to you, preach the gospel to yourself and rest fully filled in Christ.
The battle has been fought and already won. Satan has already lost. There is no more to be done. Jesus did it all. May we trust in him. Have faith in what he has done. Lesson three. Preach the gospel to yourself and rest fully filled in Christ. I'm going to roll back to verse 6. Paul starts from a position of assuming to his audience. He says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. My question for you is, have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? Do you trust that you need Jesus? Do you trust that you are a sinner who's disobeyed God, displeased God, has not followed his commands, that you're guilty before him? Do you believe and understand that, yes, God is loving, God is kind, God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, but he's also just. He must punish sin. Do you believe this? Do you believe that he came, sent his son Jesus, not just to live a good life and set a good example, to be our sacrifice, our substitutes? He came to take on all your sin, past, present, future, all of it on himself, to satisfy the complete wrath of God. Do you believe he did that for you? Do you believe it was finished at the cross? Do you believe he died, was buried, and rose again, showing victory over sin and death? And do you believe he's asking you to say, do you believe this? Do you have faith in this? And that's it. He's not asking you to do some amazing work first. He's not looking for you to make a good change in your life first. He's saying, do you believe this? Do you receive Jesus Christ the Lord? And if you're here today and you say, yes, I do, and I have, awesome. Remember, you are exclusively and exhaustively filled in Christ. Nothing else should ever be added. Nothing else is ever needed. This, because we forgot about it, which is not good. Adding, like it's saying here, It's actually harmful. It's detrimental to you. Don't do it. Don't fall into that trap when people say, yeah, sure, you believe in the gospel, but what do you believe in now? Where have you gone from there? The answer, nowhere. The gospel saves me, and the gospel is how I trust and live my life. The gospel is everything. Trusting that Jesus Christ is the Lord is it. Your roots can go deeper. That can spread throughout your life which is good. But the foundation does not change. We need to learn how to rest filled in Christ. I am satisfied today. I will be satisfied tomorrow. I will be satisfied in 100 years because of who I am in Christ. Yes, now over the next few weeks, we will get into Colossians chapter 3. The idea of how we walk in faith, walking in him. But understand, we're walking in him from a position of being exclusively and exhaustively already filled in Christ. 
But for now, let me leave you with this thought. It's coming from the song that we're about ready to sing. It says, you've found a treasure that can't be taken, found a well that won't run dry, a worldly pleasure be now forsaken. Behold what love, what life is yours. Your great desire, your true reward. And what is that in? Christ is all. He is your reward. He is your treasure. He is your joy. He is your all. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we come to you in prayer, thank you for the reality that your word is true. We can trust it. Thank you for the warning from Paul to remind us that we don't need to add to you and who we are in you. You are our all. You are the foundation. May we build on nothing else. Guard our hearts against the false teaching that says we need to add to this to go to a new spiritual level. That we need a second blessing. God, may we truly feel full and complete in you alone. May we feel fully satisfied. Remind our hearts of what we have in you. Who we are in you. And God, I thank you for Jesus Christ as we celebrate this week and every day the sacrifice he was willing to make for your glory and for our greatest good. His willingness to come and to die for us. To give his life so we could have life. May we trust in him alone. May we receive Jesus Christ the Lord by faith alone. Nothing else is needed. You've done it all. May we believe in you, I pray. In your son's name, amen.